Alright, Dog Earthlets, my name is Conrad, alongside my friend Eli, and this is the fourth episode of the Judge Dread Magazine Primer, a podcast where two Americans try to establish a foundation of knowledge to come to grips with the Judge Dread Magazine. This episode, we're talking about one of Judge Dredd's greatest allies and his direct opposite, Psy Judge Cassandra Anderson. And to that end, we're looking at two big stories from Judge Anderson's career, and they're all found in the uh, collection Judge Anderson, The Psy Files, Volume 1. So in the last primer, we met Judge Anderson as she fought against the evil Judge Death. But I want to talk some more about the, her, her solo adventures here, I guess. Um, and, you know, I'll sort of say, Eli, that this is kind of jumping the gun a little bit because we won't actually get to an Anderson story in the magazine um, for a couple years of the magazine, I guess. Maybe not years of, our, of, of the show we do, but of the, of the magazine itself. Okay. Um, but I really like this character a lot. And once she arrives in the Meg, she's in there for quite a bit. So we might as mm-hmm. well cover it just to kind of get a baseline for this character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, besides Dredd himself, Anderson's the most regularly occurring judge character in 2080 at this point. Um, and so far also the only one to get their own series in, two th- in, in the, in, in the 2080 comic, like who sort of have oh, like wow. a, like this one's about, An- you know, this one's starring Anderson, Dredd might, might not even show up at all kind of thing. Yeah. What an honor. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I don't remember seeing a lot of, uh, Dredd in this one. Mm-mm. I don't think I he, he him to show up at the end and like pow pow. He, bet you didn't see that coming. Nah, yeah. you know he's doing he's, he's he's got his own work to do. You know he can't just be right. swinging in and like helping Anderson on stuff. You know, right? Um, but yeah, um, she's also at this point the female character with the most solo appearances in the comic period at this point in two thousand AD. But that's not really a huge hurdle. When it comes to like you know a uh, a boys comic in the late in the seventies and eighties, basically, um, so we've seen Judge Anderson's first appearance already last episode when she fought Judge Death. Um, and though I'll say for that one, while originally her look was uh, based on was supposedly based on Blondie singer Debbie Harry, she's actually based on just a on a deed on a on a Deirdre Vine who was just sort of a uh, an assistant editor at two thousand AD at the time. And just sort of like, all right, like, yeah, listen, she's around, just base it on her. It's fine. Um, <laughs> through the, as the years go by, though, Judge Anderson morphs quite a bit. She's, she, she, her, uh, her general look and even like physical age can vary quite a bit based on who's drawing her and the era they're working in. Um, when I was choosing stories to this episode, I really mulled over bringing in some more Brett Ewins who draws Anderson with this big 80s hair. But we've seen him a bit already, and instead I want to focus on two big elements of Judge Anderson's character right now. And the first is her sort of uh, direct enmity and involvement with the evil Sovsit Judge Orlock, who, like Judge Death, uh, Orlock was originally a dread villain that Anderson sort of ended up dealing with to become sort of more her villain as time goes by. Mm-hmm. And the second is Anderson's relationship with fellow side judge uh, Corey. Who I wanted to include, so I want to include a story where they kind of pal around and team up as well. Um, we're only talking about two stories this week. The first was written by uh, Dreadverse writing team John Wagner and Alan Grant, with art by Barry Kitson and Will Simpson. Uh, Barry Kitson does a went on to do a fair amount of work in American comics as well, including an extended run on uh, Batman, Fre- uh, Batman Frenemy, Asriel. Well, Will Simpson's probably best known for doing storyboards and concept art for the uh, Game of Thrones TV show. Mm-hmm. 
And then, and then the second story is written by Alan Grant with art by David Roach, who's done a little bit of Spider-Man and then a lot of illustrations for RPG books as well as Brit comics and stuff. Mm. He's done. Yeah, I, oh, go ahead. We did want to note. Uh, yeah, I did really. I was really blown away by uh, some of the art that comes up later on. Yeah, to, uh, definitely. If they remember, then uh, you have to um, remind me of their name. Yeah, yeah. David Roach is really great at drawing like uh, like uh, pretty women and uh, uh, having action moments and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. that's really his talent for sure. Yeah. But so let's start off with our first story, uh, Hour of the Wolf, Prox 520 to 531. <laughs> um, so this one starts sort of – and medius res, I guess. Uh, side judge Cassandra Ashton has a vision of a wolf locked in a cage, fangs bared, eyes cold and cunning. It breaks free and strides the city like a colossus. Terrible jaws slashing left and right. The screams of the dead and dying fill the air. The streets run with blood. And then all that's revealed to be like a sci flash. She gets these a lot where it's kind of like having a psychic emanation where she's like, oh, I'm sensing something. Let's go check it out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, this takes her back to bit, you know, she's sort of freaked out by the wolf, but doesn't really know that much. So she gets back to business. Um, you see her take down a, like a, uh, a road water truck, um, knocking out the driver at, um, a, a, as it crashes. And besides water, the thing's also full of like wanted perp. So she got a sense of like, you know, there's bad guys hiding in this truck so she can take it out. Um, she then rides out, freaked out by her vision of, um, of the wolf and stuff. And at the same time, also freaked out is Glennie Maxworth, or Mexworth, a housewife at the Fraser Donaldson block, which is one of these, um, like, we know all these city blocks have celebrity names. This is a name I couldn't figure out. Um, and Glennie also gets this vision of the wolf and snaps into action. She uh, kills her husband and uh, books two seats on the Zoom, which is like a train to, uh, to Britsit, to England. Like, like uh, I've got to get out of here. Um, at the same time, the Simon uh, Carpenter block uh, um, um, Dixie Club, a couple does similar things, get that side flash and excuses themselves and just start pulling out guns and stuff. Like, we got the image. Now we got to do stuff. And one of the things they got to do is take out Judge Anderson because there are these evil psychic sleeper cells. Oh, geez. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the couple is sort of laying an ambush for Anderson and she just walks right into it because they give her a psychic image of like a big monster attacking some uh, attacking folks and she kind of like rides in it's like oh no like there's no monsters here there's just the image of the wolf and these guys trying to kill me oh no um <laughs> she's sort of there's a landmine and she goes free and starts fighting these guys and stuff pretty good I I like Greg Kitson's physicality here as sort of Anderson sort of on her knees and shooting mm, at right. these guys as fire spreads everywhere and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, one thing I uh, thought was really interesting, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just um, they dive further into the psychic abilities with mm-hmm. her story, but um, figuring out the limitations and strengths of the different psychics throughout the story. Yeah. I found really fascinating, adding just kind of a whole mental realm that – uh, yeah, with a bunch. Of, yeah, there's a bunch of different power levels of these guys, sort of. Right. And like Anderson's really powerful, I think. But a lot of these guys are sort of two bit, two bit psychics that don't know what's going on, you know. Right. But I actually found it really interesting understanding that judges need to be prepared for this type of warfare and criminal activity as well. Like, uh, just imagining the interview. All right, you need to be able to do judgment. You know, the grueling things, and also you might be psychically manipulated 
on occasion, you know, like that's just a part of the job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like the, I always joke about just how the justice department, like the, the, the judges and judge dread are always prepared for everything. And they sort of have mm-hmm. a, like they've been doing this for a long time. So they kind of have like safeguards for stuff in, um, in mm-hmm. place, you know, like right. one of the stories I didn't um, include was a story where some kid gets possessed by a demon. And so they, call out the exorcist brigade which is just sort of like two judges with like crosses on their helmets whose whole thing is just that they like you know they're there when there's a demon it just sort of exercise the uh the evilness you know <laughs> they're prepared and i guess you don't have time for the whole oh i don't believe in demons thing i guess everything's proved like yeah they've already they've already had that experience where they say demons don't exist this but they're like yep yep they're real we uh we have a plan for it you know yeah. Nice. There's like a there's a dread story that's kind of like this where a superhero shows up and um they uh where a superhero shows up and he sort of s- tries like saving people and dreads like you're a vigilante get out of here and in the end dread just pulls out like a uh he actually has like kryptonite bullets made because it's ju- it's a it's a judicial de- it's a judge department policy that if the if a mysterious planet blows up. They gather some pieces of it just in case they need it to to kill a superpowered person from there. You know, and they're just like, listen, it's, it's never our, it's it's not our first rodeo. We've got a plan. You know, <laughs> so we move on and we see uh, Glenny Maxworth now. She's like standing outside an ISO block, which is the uh, the, the the jails in Mega City One. With her uh, stereotypical groceries, you know it's groceries because there's a baguette sticking out the top. That's a key <laughs> grocery <laughs> indicator. And as a bunch of judges, and these are like these aren't street, these aren't tough street judges like Judge Dredd. These are like soft, like desk job judges, desk job ju- judges. You know, so she, she she finds the right one and bumps into him and drops all their groceries. And like the judge, like helps her pick him up, and he she basically just seduces him right there on the street, like with psychic help, of course. But listen, that's the thing. Um, She like invites him home, and it's like you know, like oh, like think of the public relations. It's fine, you know. (laughs) And so at the same time, as this seduction is going down, Anderson's getting medical. medical treatment and she her 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 dreams are, are rocked by visions of the wolf and she like passes out and was like oh man we got to be careful because <laughs> she's feeling this way but at the same time this judge uh what's this guy's name yeah meanwhile judge ballard has been brought back to glennie maxwell's house and with her dead husband still hidden in the closet she's like serving them like fake booze because alcohol is illegal in Mega City One. She doses one of the glasses with some kind of powder. And oh, it's just bad times for this guy, you know. Right. He's falling for it. Definitely. I guess that's, uh, that's psychic ability. Uh, you know. They even had her like picking him out. Like, oh, I need to find someone who's weak to my, you know, uh, abilities out of these judges. So Yeah, but the psychic... But psychic ability isn't all of it because, um, you know, now she's poisoned his soy gin, weakened him enough that he's easy prey for her roundhouse kicks and punches and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> so she knocks him out and w- and, he, and Judge Ballard wakes up and like this is something that I know when we first covered the story, we had some discussions about about whether she's actually donned like 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 put on dominatrix gear or if he's just um, – envisioning this Mm 
But right. she's definitely got a lot of leather and fishnets on as she's sort of <laughs> and a writing right. crop as she's sort of bossing this guy around. Yeah. I, I had taken it as him envisioning it for some reason. Only because I can th- I know the uh, the psyches do a lot of uh illusions and things like that, but yeah, I mean maybe. It's hard like it's it's definitely like it could be either, you know. Right, exactly. And like this outfit does really remind me of like the uh the Hellfire Club in like X Men. Mm-hmm. Which right. has a lot of like um like you know, a lot of fishnets, a lot of ladies in leather bodices and riding crops and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> But anyway, she like uh, has him in her thrall, and she basically and she gives him a uh, a, a a pill to give to uh, Cube twenty one seventy four, and if he does, then he'll get his rewards, which seems to definitely involve uh, like boot kissing and other things of that nature, which I guess makes sense for a judge, but still, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> meanwhile, again. Uh, Judge An- uh, Judge Anderson's getting worked on by Medtech, so as Judge Silver looks on, and Anderson uh, will be okay, which is great. And they, you know, sh- and he orders the uh, side judges to basically like, 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 look in and see what's going on with the, all of this, uh, you know, with her attackers and stuff. At the same time, though, Glenny gets a phone call and says other um, other people in her sleeper cell. They say, like, yeah, we got to start using phones instead of telepathy because the Psy patrols are out here. And Anderson must be killed. Do it tonight. For tomorrow, the wolf runs free at Mega City. One will pay. (laughs) (laughs) So with that set up, we sort of cut to the next – early next morning at 0413. We see a car pulled up at the parking lot near the Justice Building. And the couple inside sort of laments like, oh, you know, we had like a house here in Mega City one. You know, we were living a life as part of our sleeper cell observations. Like, like this, the husband saying this and the wife right. is like, no, we've lost our home. We'll never see it again. Just like ominous, you know, right. that's why we got to get revenge by killing Judge Anderson and stuff. Right. And so they do that. And so she focuses on Anderson, goes deep into the Justice Department, her like seeking eyes, enchanting this judge that's standing guard, making him think he's in a dungeon and that the dungeon is full of beasts and the main beast is Judge Anderson himself. So he's going to kill her. (laughs) But this. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I I thought that was really cool, actually, that um, she needs to psychically be present, like to go through the hallways and into the room Mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, in order to be present in the room with Judge Anderson, as well as the um, effect they put of her seeing it, like her eyes kind of being uh, over the frame. Yeah. I thought it was a, I thought it reminded me a lot of like wings, but Mm. uh, it just gives a really nice effect to um, being present, but also having control over the space. Right, yeah, she's just it, she's taking it all in. It's all part of her uh, psychic gaze and stuff. Yeah, I really like how the uh, like this room that Anderson's in, this big like technical room full of like pipes and monitoring devices and stuff. Mm-hmm. But its transformation right. into a dungeon then becomes kind of subtle almost because all of those technical things right. kind of turn into brick walls and stuff. I don't know. It's kind right. of interesting. That, that, that is another good point. Yeah, it is really nice effect. Yeah. So while all this is happening, and this is why you got to be careful with uh, Mega City One, 
because in the parking lot, the car that these two spies are in gets accosted by some no good Mega City One punks. They're like, hey, listen, uh, stop with your psychic espionage because we're here to rob you. Right. <laughs> Um, because of this interruption, the psychic judge sort of comes to and is like, whoa, like someone was just making me try to psychically kill Judge Anderson. That's no good. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, call in. Someone's got to deal with it. At the same time, as these um, as these thugs are, are breaking through the windows and stuff, and it gets real cool because they're just like, ah, screw this. We'll figure it out later. They just sort of pull out their submachine pistols and just start killing all right. these guys and drive off, basically. Damn this city, you know? <laughs> right. As they ride off, Judge Virgil is in pursuit. <laughs> so – uh, Virgil follows the uh, couple down uh, Hebden Road, which is named after a uh, 2080 writer and stuff. And we see this li- this psychic lady trying to use her powers to like distract the judge and eventually making him drive off the side of a uh, of, of a big overpass and stuff. Yes, and that's the end of him. I think. Yeah, good psychic stuff. But even as that happens, the killers as well also end up. Um, Going off the side, it's pretty cool. The car flips. They land in a hot on a hot dog stand and stuff like that. Mm. And they um, sort of like say like, "Oh, like we've we've lost. We're in trouble. We gotta make we gotta make sure that no one figures out what you're, what we're up to." And so they both like take explosives and then blow up their car. It's pretty awesome. And I like the guys like, "Hey, just so you know, I loved you." She's like, "We don't have time for that crap." Yeah, uh, felt yeah. really bad for that guy the whole <laughs> whole time. Really. I think I think it's a good flip because like she's all business and he's real emotional about things because like he was the guy who was sort of thinking like oh we could have like we sort of made a home here in Mega City one and she's like I don't want to live here this place is terrible right yeah <laughs> so they explode and we see that on the scene is my favorite Judge Hershey who's also um just just making a cameo in here all the lady judges basically. So uh, 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 Hershey calls it in, calls for the Psy Squad for sort of see if they can't get some kind of information about this stuff. And in the Med Bay, Anderson has a vision, a wolf pack running, two fall dead, but the great wolf still continues. His name is Assassin, and soon he will be free. Just real scary. So yes. later, at we saw the one judge going over the side and then... Um, and, the, and the car flipping and stuff like that. Apologies. Um, but so at 0500, the judges are cleaning up the crashed assassins on Hebden streets. Their bodies are too burned for psychic stuff, but they do have the, uh, have the, have their home address. So, uh, Hershey heads out to sort of do some more conventional investigating, basically. Um, meanwhile, Anderson's dreaming in her hospital bed. Again, more about the wolf and the assassins and stuff like that. As Glennie Maxwell, this leader of the sleeper cell, instantly knows that her friends are dead. So she does what you normally do, which is, of course, pull a giant laser rifle out of your closet and go to kill Judge Anderson yourself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Free run of the mill. Yeah. She registers. She uh, heads to a, a hotel near ISO Block 41 and waits at the window with her rifle for a target to present itself. At the same time, uh, Hershey's tearing up the two dead uh, uh, dead spies' apartments, finding a lot of like uh, guns and knives and bombs and all kinds of stuff. 
you know, this isn't just hobbyists. This is uh, killers. Right. <laughs> and at the same time, they sort of make they, – they track back phone calls and find Glennie Maxwell's house and her uh, her dead husband in the closet and stuff like that. Like they're – even as Maxwell tries to enact her plan, it definitely seems like the noose is tightening around these spies, whatever their plan might be. Mm-hmm. So they've got a Max, a, uh, an APB out on Glennie Maxwell, but at the same time, Judge Ballard is uh, pushing a cart and hands that pill to the prisoner in cell 2174, and it's the cell of Orlock, which I know means nothing to you, Eli, but I'll, I'll explain it real briefly. Okay. <laughs> so it, uh, a big event in Mega City 1 was this story called the Apocalypse War, which is basically when um, – like this, a, a Soviet Union megacity, uh, Sovsit One, did a sneak attack on Megacity One and destroyed like like about <laughs> half of it and killed a ton of people and stuff. Ooh. It's a cool story. I, I'll show it to you someday. I, I I hope. But um, before that war started, the city was softened up by um this evil spy, Judge Orlock, because everybody's got judges in this world, whether you're right. a, whether you're a communist or a capitalist. You still got judges. And so this uh, Soviet spy, Judge Orlock, poisoned the water of Mega City 1 to induce this condition called block mania, which basically just caused all the citizens of Mega City 1 to become incredibly patriotic about their city blocks and start blowing everybody up. That's, that's the way to do it. It's like, you know, they know, you know, it, it, it worked for sure. It caused a lot of death and confusion so they weren't ready when the nukes were launched and stuff like that you know they couldn't organize the people of the city to fight back against an invasion and stuff that's fine but the guy who poisoned the city judge orlock got arrested right before the war started and has been in prison ever since and this is him you know in prison and now he's just died because that poison that judge ballard gave him you know yeah interesting scheme to go Throw that trouble to poison one person. You know, it's a it's a complicated plan for sure. Because, you know, what they're gonna do now is with him dead with a of a massive heart attack and stuff, it's the easiest thing in the world to just sorta, you know, like, oh, we got this dead guy. Let's just, you know, get rid of his body, toss it in the garbage, whatever. Give him a Viking funeral and toss him in the dumpster, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah. Under psychic control, of course. <laughs> um, so they end up doing that. And Glennie Mexworth, with her big rifle, goes to, uh, you know, like, smiles real big. And is like, all right. <laughs> like, finally, my ship has come in. At the same time, judges are, are uh, investigating Mexworth's house. And then Judge Anderson starts to have, you know, gains clarity in her visions. She has a... she. Re- has images of uh, of uh, block mania of citizens fighting each other and all the city blocks on fire and stuff. And over it, we see the grinning face of Orlock, like, you know, with, like one fist raised, like, ah, yes, I have done this. <laughs> I like the, the this picture of all the burning blocks and stuff like that. You yeah, know, that like is cool. The sort of familiar domes now in flames and being destroyed and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Anderson recognizes the scar he's got on his face. It's the same scar as the wolf in her vision. The wolf is Orlock. Uh, I did uh, like that. Uh, didn't want to spoil it earlier, but uh, the wolf actually does have the scar in all the drawings of him. 
yeah. even the very first one, they've kept it consistent. So I yeah, really definitely. It. Yeah, it's a little Easter egg that they've sort of hidden in there the whole time. I appreciate that too when it's actually like she sees it there and it's been there the whole time even if you didn't notice – even if you don't notice it. And um, uh, when they were doing the uh, comparison Orlock to the wolf, um, they do these uh, panels where it's uh, Orlock's mouth, her eye, uh, and then ends on the wolf's mouth. The one in between is the human wolf mouth. It's got molars of a person, but like Ooh. some of the top teeth are human. Yeah, it's so like a, a mixture, like a wolfman, a wolfman mouth or something like right. that. Yeah, so I thought that was cool. Definitely. So, Orlock's the wolf. The wolf is Orlock. And Joe Anderson's in this hospital bed in the nude. Oh, that's all. It's all good times. Um, <laughs> she tells this to Justice Central. And they tell her Orlock's dead, you know, so whatever. They're taking him to be processed. He's like, you got to stop that wagon. But before they can, the truck carrying the bodies is forced by Glenny to uh, go back into the basement of her hotel. Again, more psychic control here. Um, the judges sort of start arguing about this. And once again, Mega City One intervenes. Like, or no, sorry. First, Glenny intervenes. She sort of comes down there, kills both these judges and frees Orlock. He comes back to life and all right, he's back. We're doing this. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> but I like these sort of, sort of um, real like a uh, sequential panels as we see her like first killing these judges, then really frame by frame of going into the van, like unwrapping Orlock from his funeral, from his death shroud, dosing him with like this needle to the chest to wake him back up, then him waking back up. And then finally the two of them. Like clasping hands and his real evil smile and stuff like right. that. Yeah, it's, it's so evil. Yeah. You get a quick look at the cover of uh, Prague 529 here where we see uh, Anderson looking on as Orlock just kicks the shit out of a bunch of random dudes. I love this cover. It's because I'm a big fan of one guy beating up a bunch of dudes, you know? Right, yeah. And it's a karate kick too, so obviously, you know, some martial arts. Yeah, it might be like Savate or something. I forget what they learn in uh in russia but something like that uh one thing i uh learned from my youtube research is that it's actually very very difficult to actually fight off a group of people regardless of how uh much better you are at combat than them because oh, yeah, you they, only have two hands and two feet like so yeah very uh, rarely do people actually just line up and wait their turn right. like in a kung fu movie you know right exactly so <laughs> it's always fun to watch Definitely. Hey, I've said I think um, I, I think there should be like a gymnastic event that's a choreographed fight of one guy fighting twenty dudes, and every country <laughs> does their own version with their own local martial arts and stuff like that. Like I think that would be a cool Olympic event. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, these judges are still dead, but Orlock uses their mic to report in. He gets dressed as a uh, Glinny gets ready to go, but then more muggers show up. <laughs> Um, which is pretty good. Um, there's also a little teaser in here for Super Surf 10, which we'll talk about next episode. Um, but before they can do much more than that, Orlock is upon them. And yeah, you know, like we said, he just kicks the crap out of all these guys real in quick fashion. Right. Some some kicks, some blows to the neck, all kinds of stuff. He just takes them and, all out. And I assume Orlock was already like combat capable in his – Oh yeah, version. no, he's a badass super spy. So he's so nice. though all this stuff is pretty easy for him, just generally, you know. Nice. Um, so they write out. Uh, Maxwell promises that she can deal with Anderson's psychic abilities, but 
Orlock says that he just doesn't trust her to be able to handle it. You know, he <laughs> trusts no one as Anderson's suiting back up to get back on the streets and stuff. Um, she's trying to track Orlock, but her vision is blurred. Maxwell pulls up to the Acme Mech building and drops Orlock off. He claps her hands. Good luck, comrade. Make them suffer. And she says, count on it. <laughs> it's pretty excellent. Now, do they have an accent? I saw some accent in there. I mean, I kind of think they do. It's They don't really write it out. But like right. Orlock is, you know, they're both from the Sovsits, which I assume would mean they have accents. But I guess. I guess the counterpoint is that they're both spies, so they might just be talk speaking speaking in English. So they might have unaccented English, right. but you know, yeah, I think you're, uh, you uh, you instinctively went Russian with that one. Well, yeah, they're they're from the Soviet. Right. You know, they're from cities that grew out of the Soviet Union, so they're definitely uh, if they're if they're anything, they're Russian. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Um, Judge, so we see uh, them investigating the uh, the dead bodies of the judges, and judge and uh, judge and uh, Chief Judge Silver is taking over the case. A bunch of Council of Five guys to, uh, working on it as well. Um, Silver checks with Anderson, and and she says Orlock's still in the city. She's trying to break through Glennie Mexworth's shield, and she finally gets a flash of a factory in Sector Forty Three, and all the judges, including Anderson herself, move in to take them out. Um, a couple of judges spot Glennie, and there's some good car chase action here, just with um, with like cars flying around, and heard like or with a with a lawmaster bikes flying around, and uh, Glennie like sort of like dodging into them and knocking them off off course and stuff like that. Um, eventually though, she keeps driving. She hopes she's ju- just trying to buy a couple minutes for Orlock for him to escape and stuff like that. And eventually a fleet of judges bring her down, but she's alone in her car and Orlock is missing. Oh no. <laughs> so Orlock, the assassin has escaped, but his accomplice, Glennie Mexworth has been apprehended. She's being pulled from a car wreck and cuffed when Anderson arrives on the scene. She reveals that uh, Anderson was tracking a psychic projection and Orlock's gone. He'll just sort of – he's escaped to do his own thing. Anderson isn't satisfied with this, so she like breaks into Mex- into Glennie's brain. And we got a pretty cool image of like of them psychic fighting and stuff. Like yes. a lot of, Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, definitely. There's just this like hand-to-hand combat and stuff as we see their faces sort of in the round. Like the <laughs> top and, and left is like Anderson's face and the right and bottom is uh, Glennie's is – a, is a Mexworth face as they sort of yeah. punch each other out and stuff. Including Anderson landing my favorite, that uh, two-handed Captain Kirk uh, <laughs> strike at the end. You know, where you sort of put your hands together and smash somebody. Yeah, I've never seen anyone actually being hit with it, but I assume it's got to hurt. I mean, that's... I've definitely never seen someone hit by it who wasn't wearing, like, a monster costume on, on Star right. Trek or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, so they... Anderson beats her up in Mind War, and it's crazy because she kind of gets the information, but it's clear looking at Glennie Mexworth, her brain is basically turned to goo <laughs> right. in the course of this mind fighting, which is pretty right. excellent. Um, or like the Sector 42 spaceport getting aboard the Spirit of Eisner, which is a reference to the uh, Will Eisner character, the Spirit. The ship doesn't respond to hails and soon takes off into space. We see that like everyone aboard's dead except for Orlock and his accomplices. And then later, once they're out over the over the Atlantic, 
they parachute out, get picked up by a sub as the ship as the ship as the uh, plane explodes. And at this point, they've just completely lost, um, or like there's no way to check where he's going. He's completely in yeah. the wind. Yeah, this plan has been very um, well thought out. I mean, uh, uh, maybe I'm just used to you know um, uh, Judge Death, you know, mm. doing the old runaway using a portal strategy. But this seems uh, much more well thought out and like. Uh, yeah, they had like like c- contingencies, and they were able to sort of adapt when the judges started doing stuff, as right. opposed to yeah. th- the dark judges that are very much just planning to god mode through everything. And so, right. when they don't win easily, it's like, oh no, like we don't have any other options, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so this guy's faking his own death, uh, messing with psychics, getting in spaceships, submarines. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah definitely. He's worked it out. Yeah, but so Orlok's escaped and we end with him somewhere in the distance, like meeting with a bunch of his uh of of his fellows, the uh survive the uh few survivors of Sovsit one because Judge Dredd blew up the majority of it. And you know, he's like, <laughs> All right, I vow to you that we will destroy Mega City One. We will be avenged. And it's pretty awesome. And so, like, at, up and oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. So, what's he trying to avenge? It seems like he messed up a bunch of things and got people well, like he, crazy. He, yeah, no, he started this war, but but um, the Mega City One boys finished it basically. Hmm. So it's no, like so started up again. Is that? Yeah, because well, basically, what happened is like they sort of launched a strike and ended up killing everybody in or or, or killing half of oh. Mega City One. But then nice. Judge Dredd and a bunch of other folks in Mega City 2 retaliated and uh, ended up dest- completely destroying Mega- – or completely destroying Sovsit 1, which is that's funny. where so, they were yeah. from. They killed, you know, the people that we were trying to uh, – we, we killed a bunch of people. We killed a – yeah, yeah, yeah. Vengeance. Yeah, yeah. We tried to, we tried to conquer them. They in turn completely killed us in, in retaliation, right. and that's not cool. We'll get our revenge. Flawless <laughs> <laughs> well, logic. I mean, you know, it is the it is an assassin's logic. I'll say that for sure. Right. Yes. And so we've seen. Um, I think at this point, uh, uh, one big attempt by Orlock to get revenge um, in the pages of a Judge Anderson story, and that was he uh, basically try. He got some children who had latent psychic abilities and got them to develop their abilities and then harness their dreams to cause crazy monsters to attack the city basically (laughs) but luckily anderson was able to handle that one as well but we'll see more of him in the course of the magazine as time goes by as well (laughs) so let's go from there to our second judge anderson story helios uh, Helios ran from Prague 614 to 622. So actually, pre- this one's pretty recent, but I really wanted to talk about this one, ju- at least for Anderson's relationship with uh, Judge Corey, her friend. I really like the art on this one. Yeah, yeah. David Roach, again, he's really great. He does a really good job of uh, of drawing these ladies, I think. And just generally, he's got a very detailed style. I yeah. Think. And he uh, uses a, a lot of grays as well. He, mm-hmm. he uses cross-hatching still, but isn't afraid to put a gray texture on something to try to add some subtlety and depth to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I really like his stuff too. He's good. 
He's, you know, he he comes into and mostly does Anderson, you know, I think just because this sort of like he's got a lot of experience drawing like some girl comics and stuff. So they're very mm-hmm. like, all right, like, listen, we need a we need a lady. So if we let's get our top our top artist of ladies. <laughs> uh, so we see a man in a hospital bed. He's sort of shown a view of his hypothalamus and which is the uh, complex part of the brain called the devil's playground. And a voice sort of tells him that a monofilament wire has been put into his brain, which will, um, and if you run some side power over that wire, it can turn even the meekest of men into a hate-filled maniac. <laughs> Meanwhile, Judge Anderson's working a case with Judge Barony, and they're sort of going after some hostages that have been kidnapped. He, she reaches out to find them, gets blocked by a big bus accident, like sort of like all the death and destruction there is like messing with her ability to sense things, essentially. <laughs> so, so they ride out to sort of zero it in and stuff and are able to uh, find these hostage taker and takers. And then once they get them, you know, take them out and not have to do the paperwork either. Good times. <laughs> like, like Judge Dredd, Anderson is paperwork averse for sure. Right. The one weakness. Yeah. From there, we see like a this bearded guy overseeing the brain surgery as a voice describes the horrors that an, an activated amygdala, uh, uh, amygdala can cause. But don't worry about that because you're going dancing. <laughs> and back at Justice Central, um, Judge Anderson is greeted by Judge Corey. And we've met Corey a couple – like sort of – she's appeared in 2000 AD once or twice. Um both in special editions and the story called The Exploding Man, which is about this guy who, because of the Apocalypse War, because of the Apocalypse War sort of turned into a human bomb and sort of walked through the city and then exploded. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. A- very apt name. Definitely. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, this guy's crazy. Let's bring in a side judge to figure it out. And like Corey came in and sort of tried to read his thoughts and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, so um, – Basically, they just decide to, uh, hey, like, that, that, that that's weird. Like, I saw a lizard guy earlier, and that guy was weird, too. Shift's over, man. Let's just go chill out. And they go to go <laughs> chill out, as you do, I guess. Or I guess if you're a side judge, you do. They got special dispensation to go, like, you know, st- rest their minds and things like that. Right. That makes sense. You don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't want them being overexerted, and then they, you know. No. Your brain could uh, explode, you know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And no one has the ability to tell them that that's not how it works. I mean, I think I feel like all of the side judges sort of work together to keep that fiction alive at the very least. Right. Um, right. So at the bop shop, it's the bop shop hop. Um, mm-hmm. That guy who got the brain, ra- the rage brain thing shows up. How he reflects that like he and his wife didn't like noise as we pass the sign that says uh, abandon ears all ye who enter. Um the, the DJ at the clubs, this guy named uh, uh, Cool Johnny Cool, who is a uh, Mega City One DJ we've seen before. The last time we saw him, he was uh, he was doing a radio broadcast, and this guy had like fillings in his teeth that picked up that broadcast, and it drove him murderously insane. It's pretty excellent. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's real in Mega City One, you know. <laughs> um, so the music pops up or, or pumps up as the beard guy in the wheelchair and someone else watched through this rage guy's eyes and they spot a dude with a ridiculous pompadour as we see also uh, Judge Anderson and Judge Corey in their party clothes busting a move. <laughs> right. Man, some of the details on these uh, faces are pretty, uh, pretty intense. 
Yeah, I love just the look of all these different of all these different guys and like the uh, the bearded guy in the shadows has a ton right. of of lines and stuff on his face. But I also like on that same page, there's this image of uh, Anderson like 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 dancing and like mm-hmm. you know the sound of the music so loud that it keeps her from being able to use her psychic powers basically. And just that seems like such a weight off her mind that she's truly happy for a minute, just because right. everything's quiet for once in this noise. That's fun. So, uh, rage dude gets filled with rage and kills this guy with the pompadour, you know, because like he shoots him not just in the hair, but also in his ridiculous knee pads. Get out of here with those knee pads. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hate's so intense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Listen, I mean, knee pads are a pretty common look in Mega City One for sure. So you know, you got to be real crazy to have specifically ridiculous ones. <laughs> the hate so loud that even the sighs are able to feel it through the music. And um, the man in his rage then opens um, opens fire on the crowd and uh, just starts shooting up the place. Even shoots his cool Johnny Cool when he like reprimands him for her. And we see Anderson come out of nowhere and tackle and disarm this guy. But he's not done. Shouting his hate, he grabs Anderson and starts choking the life out of her. I guess the rage and the music can't get into his head to force him to he's just to mind will him to stop choking. L- you know, listen, he's still he's just a rat in a cage, you know, despite all his rage. It's um, whatever. Right. These jokes. Um <laughs> the bearded guy walks off as this uh, as the rage brain guy keeps choking Anderson, and only quick a quick uppercut by Judge Corey is able to uh, to free her from getting choked out. <laughs> um, he's sort of still wandering around, shouting "kill" and stuff. So you know, Anderson hits him with a judo chop, and they sort of <laughs> f- and then a kick to the face, and they're finally able to like listen. Like we can finally get this sorted out, you know. They <laughs> tell cool Johnny Cool to be to uh to to cool out indeed and then use their cell phones to call the Justice Department to get all this sorted <laughs> out and stuff. Um afterwards they debrief, they plan to basically scan this guy's brain but have other things to do in the first place. Um, you know, other judges are taking statements. We see Anderson sort of bossing people around, still in her party dress, which is pretty funny, I think. Um, they interview the guy with the pompadour's wife and she asks her the standard cop questions like, did he have any enemies and stuff? And there, he did have one enemy, but that guy's dead. So it couldn't have been him. But of course. back with this beard guy, it seems like he might not be as dead as you think. As he gets wheeled around and they go to this room full of dudes and vats and lizard men and stuff. Whoa. <laughs> Gotta be careful for these ominous lizard men. Right. Judge Anderson then goes to scan this dude's brain. And um, when she does, we get this awesome picture of her like putting her hands on this guy's brain. And just there's all this psychic energy sort of pouring out of the back of her head and stuff, which I think is, is a really great mm-hmm. image. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, splatters of white paint, black paint, and gray paint. And then, yeah, we have to figure out how they uh, layered it. Because hmm. uh, when you're splattering paint, you have no control over it. Yeah, so that's true. So you in your details, like, you know, how her face and hair are so crisp and separated. Uh, yeah. You maybe. have to do that afterwards, or you have to mask that in preparation for the paint splatter. So, you know, I, I got questions on technique, but either way, <laughs> very masterfully done. 
Yeah, really excellent. I love this. This this image specifically is one that, that really sticks with me of just Anderson doing doing powers and stuff like that. <laughs> but so from this um she orders this guy to get a to get a, a brain to get a, a brain scan and an X-ray and stuff like that, and they've learned the location of another one of his of his friends, this big fat rich guy with like a masseuse and a robo butler and stuff like that. <laughs> and that dude is in turn talking to a uh, dude with a scar on his face that's real tough and's got a bunch of goons and stuff like that. Um, back at Justice Central, Anderson and Corey are working their way through the case. Sort of, they found some of these um, related folks. They were all in a partnership with this guy called Helios, but that guy's dead, so it's sort of weird. Um, and but it's um, and so they're sort of pondering this case at the same time as one of those um, business partner guys arrives at the Helios office, you know, with guns and goons, and they're like we're going to finally settle that Helios guy's hash. Tired of him haunting us and perhaps killing us with various uh, psychic abilities and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, that's basically what it is. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so this one guy, LaRue, start, starts breaking in. He's got a bunch of guys with rifles and stuff. But when he kicks through, he finds this guy, bearded guy, Helio, sitting in his wheelchair. And he just simply said, I've been expecting you. At the same time, though, Judge Corey is talking to this fat rich guy at the Creosis uh, uh, Conaps, who's the Creosis, is the guy who invented money. That's how rich these apartments are. Uh, <laughs> and Corey's sort of asking him questions, and he's sort of saying, like, oh, yes, like we invested in this Helios guy, but it was all worthless, lost money, and then he died from a massive brain hemorrhage. That's right. At the same time as Jake LaRue shoots Helios' body. But that's not even really his body. Just sawdust comes out. He's dead and stuffed. And he's doing weird psychic stuff. And it's all the worse when a bunch of scary eyes open up in the dark behind these goons. Right. So you know you messed up. Definitely. Um, at the same time, Anderson is looking at this guy, Jake LaRue's, uh, at his apartment. but finds it empty. And... But he's able to uh, – she's able to grab a picture of him and use that to sort of like link up to him uh, psychically using a psychometry and basically just sees his last minutes as he's – moments as he's ripped limb from limb and eaten by these weird lizard monsters. So Anderson runs down to the bike, decides to go get Corey and figure out what the hell's going on here. Right. Um. Anderson gets info on Helios as Corey sort of finishes up questioning, um, finishes up questioning Sax, this uh, rich guy, just sort of says like, all right, like you've, I don't know what you've done exactly, but you're definitely doing something. So you're coming downtown and he makes the wrong choice of sicking both his uh, towel wearing masseuse and his robot butler on Judge Corey. <laughs> right. Corey's yeah, able to. Oh, it's a distraction. Seems like she didn't put up a lot of a fight. No, I mean she kind of tries to do like a a kung a, a martial arts pose or something at Corey, but Corey just socks her in the face, which is you know good answer to that stuff. But socks in the face are less effective against this giant robot butler who just kind of like punches her out, basically. Right. They're preparing to toss her from Sax's balcony when Anderson's pulled up, sees what's going on, and just uh, fires some shots to take this butler out just to be safe. Um, 
Sack's kind of like, oh, man, damn, 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 what am I going to do? And Anderson just, like, greets him as he tries to leave his apartment. Like, going somewhere? And arrests him as well. Um, Corey's basically okay, but her uh, her hand is crushed. And so now they're going to go and finally settle this both, both this Morton Sachs's hash and the hash of Mr. Helios. Oh, yeah. We see, like, the after effects of... These uh, monsters that Helios has, all these like dead dead guys covered in blood and ripped to shreds by these lizard guys and stuff. And then we see Anderson going deep into Morton Sachs's mind. Okay. Pretty and awesome like, picture. Yeah, I like the art here. It's all these like it, – it, it seems like it's all these like cut-ups of his face mm, that have right. been sort of like a collage together to be overlapping and things like that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if it was – they did just one really nice one and then did all these effects to it. I think that is actually what happened. Yeah. And they yeah. it's crosshatching and shading under like connecting like the chin to add mm-hmm. some more of these interesting visual effects around the borders of the frame. Yeah, it definitely – yeah, to me, I, I, I think you're right. It definitely looks like there was sort of one image that was reproduced a lot of times then a lot of like they're sort of cut up and then glued on top of each other or something like yeah. that. And then yeah. extra drawn parts to kind of – fill the gaps between the images and stuff Correct. very well done though yeah i like it's a really good way of just kind of like showing random psychic stuff happening basically <laughs> it's so hard to <laughs> depict it visually so yeah yeah i mean it's it's always tough when you're trying to visually depict things that like don't really exist it's like okay right. like we can figure it out somehow um but so this takes us back in time, basically, to these investor guys that have all been killed, confronting Helios, basically saying, like, oh, we invested all this money. You don't have anything to show for it. And he's like, I do have something to show for it. But before he can explain, he has like a he has, has like a, a brain hemorrhage or something. And he tries to take his medicine to fix it. But he drops the medicine. And they're like, ah, maybe instead of giving him his medicine, we just let him die and then collect the insurance money, see? <laughs> Which is pretty messed up. And thus he dies cursing their name, as you do, you know? So Anderson, with this psychic knowledge, basically arrests Sax and like ties him up and leaves him for the, re- for the other judges to, to, to pick him up, essentially. And then Anderson and Corey head to Helios to settle that guy's hash as well. And, you know, it's seeming okay as they head in, but suddenly Helios sends all these giant lizard dudes against him. Lizards and lizard and rage dudes, and it's no good at all. Right. <laughs> Those lizard dudes are buff. I want to give them, they obviously lift. Oh, yeah. Listen, they work their lizard brains out, you know? <laughs> right. Do the... Oh God! I'm trying to trying to trying to think of a pun here, Eli. That's got lizards and workout situations. You know. Well, you could say that they're just uh, very dangerous because they're so cold blooded. Ooh, that's good. All right, I'm going with that. I was going to say, uh, you know, they aren't insects because they don't use the butterfly machine. That's no, that's terrible. Never mind. Yeah, yeah a little stretch there, but. I'll you know, you, uh, participation. Credit. No, no, no. I don't want. I don't want to be. I don't want to get anything from such a such such, such a horrible line of attempted jokes. Um, <laughs> speaking of attempted jokes, though, I like the start. Like the writing at the start of the story of, of of this section is kind of funny because it's just like one of the lizard men's internal monologue, and he's just like, "Oh, it's a it's a funny old thing, life." 
<laughs> Yesterday, right. I was just a regular guy, and now I'm a hate-filled lizard man. Lizard mm-hmm. man trying to eat a judge. Crazy. It's funny how these things work out, you know? Right. When I, was, I never saw this coming coming uh, when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. But it soon ends as uh, Corey and Anderson shoot, sh- uh, sh- sh- shoot the hell out of these guys. Um, it seems like as well as like rage guys and lizard guys, there's also wolf guys, which kind of came out of nowhere. But I guess I'll go along with it. Um, right. Yeah. They're more believe- They're more obvious than lizard guys. It's true. I mean, yeah. But uh, they they the these wolf guys pull Judge Corey into a room and Anderson's forced to use her ricochet bullets. I, I think we've seen these once or twice, which are yeah. these both that kind of bounce around the room until they finally find a target. And it's good for taking out groups, but it does probably mean that you'll end up shooting your friend eventually if you use them. And that right. happens, you know. Mm. Um, so Corey's sort of not sort of unconscious and Anderson's killed the last of the wolf dudes and then gets a psychic scream like, oh, you've killed them all. She's like, yeah, sorry, they're trying to kill me, you know. And mm. um, Helios doesn't care, doesn't care for your excuses. You like killing stuff all the time. Why don't you point that gun at your head and kill yourself then? You get very classic psychic psychic powers controlling you kind of scenario where against her will Anderson points the points her gun at her own head and prepares to shoot. But before she can, she does what I like to call the Doctor Strange special, which is when in doubt, astral project and try to get a different perspective on things. <laughs> she jumps out of her body and sees that Helios isn't just one guy, but also Helios's Helios's daughter, who we saw briefly um, earlier in the story. They've sort of merged minds and done all this weirdness because of his experiments with that nanofilament wire that he can use to control people's brains, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a Scooby-Doo reveal where it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that minor person did it. Whatever. And I, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling judges. Um, right. <laughs> but so in the end, they have another sort of psychic showdown, basically. Like Anderson's spirit gets sent to another realm and a bunch of dark tentacles come out and things get extremely, extremely worrisome <laughs> as these tentacles start to do their thing. But luckily, I don't feel like this uh, this porn subgenre had actually been invented when this comic came out. So oh, Judge Corey wakes, comes to just in time to save Anderson by, you know, being awake and shooting this lady in the head. Good times. <laughs> so uh, the daughter, Lydia, dies and Anderson's set free. And, you know, in the end, the two lady judges, the, the two lady side judges are able to sort of stumble out of Helios, get on their bikes, report everything in. It looks like all their suspicions are confirmed by Central. And because right off in the sunset, Anderson, of course, doing these puns. How'd you figure all that out? Mind work control, just a little mind work as opposed to leg work or whatever. Right. I get it. Let's never talk about mind tentacles again. No, listen, that's gross. No way. Uh, <laughs> and that's the story. I don't know. I think these are these are kind of fun ones. Just sort of this, uh, you know, Judge Anderson running around, making jokes, shooting people, getting in psychic duels with pe- with, with folks. I, th- I think it's, it's a good series of stories. What do you think? Yeah. I'm wondering if um, the artist was like, I want to draw lizard people, but also wolf people. Mm. And then, okay, sure. Go ahead and put them in there. We don't know what it really has to do with this bad guy, 
but that will be awesome to look at. So yeah, it loosely links it to another Judge Dread to, to to a Judge Dread story when he fought this lizard guy, but it doesn't really make a big it doesn't really make a ton of sense in the plot of Helios. Like, because we get a lot about his like monofilament wire in a brain allowing him to control people, mm. but not a lot about how that leads to then morphing people to lizards right. and wolfmen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and apparently the process is fast. He was like, "Yeah, this just this morning I was uh, fine. Now I'm a lizard person." I, you know, I mean, if there's one thing I've learned from Star Wars that you can't underestimate the medical power of one of those big. Two glass tubes full of water that that you put somebody in, you know, like those can do a lot with a little. Is what I, is is, right. is 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 what I've learned over the years. I think. Um, I was curious about um the guy from the first set of comics, uh, the guy who was the wolf with the scar on his mouth. Yeah, Judge Orlock. Uh, yeah, I, I assume he, there's more to come with him. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've seen one of his um set, like like attempts to get back at Mega City One, and he'll he shows up periodically both in 2000 AD and in the magazine actually. So it's good to sort of see him because yeah, he sort of goes up against Judge Anderson a bunch of times. Nice. Okay. It's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, I just, you know, generally, I just like this Anderson character. And it's fun to sort of talk about her adventures and the stuff she gets up to and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Yeah, just a little bit more of Judge Dredd knowledge in your brain, Eli. So when we finally get to the magazine, you'll be an old pro. That's the key. Right. <laughs> so I, I I know there's a lot of this stuff, but I think it, it is important, and I'd just be explaining to it to you without context what, when we got to it in the magazine if we didn't do these okay. ahead of time, you know. Yes, I of the two ways, I think I greatly prefer this one. I think it's so. fun. Yeah, I've been loving these, um, and I hope everybody else has been enjoying these treks into the history of Judge Dread Mega City One. About three more of these to go as we prep for the magazine. Until then, you can find Big Meg One on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at BigMegOne.com. Feel free to contact us at spacebin at 2000 at gmail.com, the 2080 Forbes, or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages, where we're SpaceSpinner, at SpaceSpinner2K on Twitter, and everywhere else. Just look up SpaceSpinner2000, you'll find us there. And come back next time, as we're going to take to the skies with graffiti artist-turned-racing hero, Marlon Shakespeare, a.k.a. Chopper. He's, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, he's one of the few perps that's gone up against Dredd a couple of times. And it's kind of funny because when Chopper's involved, generally he's the good guy and Judge Dredd becomes the bad guy. Which is always a, a fun change. And until then, I'm Conrad, there, Eli, and we are Big Heck One. Big Heck One.